What is up, peeps, and welcome to episode 63 of the Fretzelmania podcast, a special Brucey bonus review, thank you, OSW Review, where I go over the pay-per-views in 2002. Now, as you know, the 20 Bell Salute is no longer a thing. I will not be offering that on Patreon anymore. I'm going to be giving you pay-per-view reviews throughout my storyline right here on WrestleMatic Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Triple H defends the Undisputed Championship against Hulk Hogan. Scott Hall faces Bradshaw. Kidman defends the Cruiserweight Championship against Tajiri. And Edge takes on the Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. All that and more this week on WrestleMania. There is no way, and I mean no way, that I was not going to not include Creed in this intro, because I unironically love Creed, and Nickelback for that matter. I'd be a bad Canadian if I didn't like Nickelback. Welcome everybody to Fretzelmania, where I review Backlash. 2002. We are live from the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. I believe that this is the first time that they've done the Kemper Arena since <sighs> since the uh, tragic accident that took the life of the late great Owen Hart. This is also the last pay-per-view before the WWF got the F out and became WWE. The network did not have Creed, so that's why you heard this banger, The Young Grow Old by Creed from WWE's Forcible Entry CD that had just recently come out. So, April 21st, 2002, Kansas City, Missouri, home of the Chiefs, shout out to Jermaine, in front of 12,289 strong. JR and the King call the action tonight. We see a bit of footage from WWF New York, while it's still called WWF New York, in a dark match that aired on Sunday Night Heat. We had the big show defeating Steven Richards and Just Incredible in a handicap match. Just in case of emergency break glass. We had a buy rate of approximately 400,000. And to give you a little slice of the pop culture here, call it a super condensed 20 bell salute. Because when I get to pay-per-views... A, I want to try and have a guest on, for some, 
I got one lined up for King of the Ring, and I'm working on somebody for Judgment Day. I thought I was going to skip that pay-per-view, but that has Edge and Angle in the hair versus hair match, and it's a banger, and I'm not skipping it. So, in theaters was Jason X, you know, a Friday the 13th movie here, I believe, well, the X would entail that it's the 10th iteration of Friday the 13th, and it sucked. So did American Psycho 2, and no, it is not a sequel to the hit song American Psycho by Treble Charger, my fellow Canadians will definitely remember that off of Much Music's Big Shiny Tunes, and of course... It has been covered quite a bit on the lead-up to this show. Ahu Machente, The Scorpion King, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson in his debut leading role? I mean, he had a cameo as a Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns, but I think this is the first time that The Rock became a leading man and... Here we are 20 years later, and he is the bit biggest actor in Hollywood. He's the highest grossing actor, I think, as well. And it starts here. On the music, we had Ashanti's self-titled debut. We had Motorhead's Hammered and Goldfinger's Open Your Eyes. You know, this is a ska band that is more well-known for playing Superman in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1, having an attempt here at a little bit of a political album. You know, Open Your Eyes is... Uh, look up that music video. It's very, very of its time. We also had Pedro the Lion's Control. I knew a lot of hipsters in college that were all about, you know, bands like Pedro the Lion and... Kings of Leon and Mumford and Sons, you know, although I like all those bands, Pedro the Lion, I am not familiar with. In video games, there was a lot of ports for the newly released Game Boy Advance, including a criminally underrated RPG series that is now on the SNES Classic on, on Nintendo Switch Online, and that is Breath of Fire 2 was ported to the to the advance and it was a very generous port of the game pretty much straight up maybe with a little bit of polish but it was a very good jrpg action rpg kind of series that didn't see much outside of of japan other than breath of fire one and two in north america we had a game boy advance port of spider-man the movie the game pretty a pretty decent version of that and FIFA 02. Now, to get into this show. Oh boy, this, this pay-per-view was truly something else. I believe I watched it live because I had, I had a friend who had the satellite dish. But around this time, he got that little, that little card, that little, that little extra, that <laughs> DLC that kind of not really actually totally let you <clears throat> steal pay-per-view. And this guy was an elder at my home church. And he gave me 
dozens, and I mean dozens, stop it, Rock, of wrestling pay-per-views taped back in the day. I wish I kept all of these, but sadly, the only ones that survived me moving a few times was uh, WrestleMania 2000 and WrestleMania X7, you know, two events that I would save in a fire. Well, maybe not so much 2000, but my three copies I have of X7, my pay-per-view tape, my Coliseum Home Video, and my DVD. I would save those in a fire. Anyways, kicking off this show, we have Billy Kidman defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Tajiri. Now, on SmackDown a few weeks ago on this show, actually, Billy Kidman defeated the Cruiserweight Champion Tajiri to win that championship. And since then, actually since about the beginning of 02, Tajiri's been kind of a controlling dick. He's been a bad boyfriend here. Tori is come out dressed in a kimono, get it, because Tajiri's Japanese, and he wants t Tori to turn Japanese, turn Japanese, I really think so. So, Tajiri's in the role here of John Tucker must die, shout out if you get that one, for just being an asshole. And it is mentioned here by commentary that in this building, Tajiri beat Kidman for the Cruiserweight title in 2001. It's ironic here. It's like, Ray! Alanis, I thought I retired you. And that is the cue for everyone to turn it off. But Billy Kidman here does a shove into a Tajiri kip up, which is really impressive. Tajiri goes for a bridge pin here. Kidman lands a super kick and there's a kick out. Shooting star pressed by Billy misses a buzzsaw kick and a kick out. We see a super BK bomber by Billy. Kick out. A powerbomb is reversed into the red mist by Tajiri. And new, once again, cruiserweight champion Yoshihiro Tajiri. Tori is surprised at ringside slash nonplussed because her surprised face is about the same as being nonplussed. Michael Cole asks Tajiri about his recent change of heart. And then Tajiri begins speaking Japanese. Get it? Because he's Japanese. Backstage, Ron and Bradshaw, not Ron, good lord, Farouk and Bradshaw, Simmons and JBL, I wrote down here, play catch up. It's been a few weeks since they have not been booked on the same show. It's literally been a month, if that. Talking about, hey, are you taking care of stuff on Raw? Like, yeah, man, I'm holding down SmackDown. NWO's theme plays. And uh, they're like, they acknowledge it. Is it, yeah. Bradshaw says he's going to go take care of this now. Scott Hall versus Bradshaw. X-Pac is accompanying Scott Hall to the ring here, wearing Kane's mask, who has been, in parentheses, injured by the NWO. That, of course, was the very short heart, uh, no disqualification match. I said hardcore. Same thing that X-Pac and Kane 
had in their seemingly never-ending feud. It's a never-ending story. Turn around. There's another match to see. <clears throat> Anyways, here, Nash was suspended by Ric Flair. I thought this was when Nash tore his quad in the middle of the ring, but that was another time. And for the record, APA Bradshaw is better than JBL. I'm dying on this hill. You will not take me away from that. X-Pac sucks, Chance, because... Of course, I mean, it's Pavlovian at this point. You see Xbox in the ring? Xbox sucks. And we hear the APA theme again, but it's Farouk coming out to even the odds. We have an APA reunion immediately after they got drafted to separate brands. This is kind of like that quarterly invitational that the main roster does now. Holy crap, just end the damn roster split already. And we have a bit here where Scott Hall tosses the toothpick into Bradshaw's face, but gets clocked. John clocked, if you will. It's John clocked. <clears throat> uh, sorry, call to Hollick. <clears throat> Please don't sue. Xbox gets the cheap shot here on on Bradshaw. This breaks out into a big old schmoz, especially when Farouk is chasing Xbox around the ring, and then gets slammed into the post. This distraction allows X-Pac, I mean, good lord, <clears throat> Scott Hall to nail a low blow and a roll up. And Scott was really sloppy in this match. I mean, it'd be another month after this that he would be let go from the company. Because just a couple weeks after this is the plane ride from hell. And I did not intend to transi transition into this. But speaking of the plane ride from hell, we have Ric Flair. Vince McMahon barges into his office, brags about the NWO, and he says that he likes Ric's style, you know, as an owner. I know what it's like to be an owner and have your roster question everything. Do you feel the heat, Ric? It's like you're caught in between a rock and a hard place. Especially since The Rock is on SmackDown. I added that one in because I thought that would be funny. Clearly, it wasn't. Vince offers his hand, but of course, Rick refuses because he's still mad at Vince. They had a match at the Royal Rumble just four months ago. You're not burying the hatchet yet. Coming up next for the Women's Championship, we have Jazz defending the title against Trish Stratus. And this match just starts right away here because Molly Holly comes out here, gets a cheap shot in on Trish. And uh, there's a bit here on how Trish became the number one contender on Raw. Reversing a tights roll-up into a tights roll-up of her own against Molly Holly to which King replies, Yeah, pull those pants! Pull those pants down! He tries to save himself, but he doesn't. You pervert! And Molly Holly wants... No, the J King, good lord, <laughs> I can't talk tonight. King says here that there should be a parade in Molly's honor in the Virgin Islands. I guess that debunks my theory of her and Spike Dudley getting it on. 
Molly cuts a promo about purity and wholesomeness, calling Trish a cheater. This Molly Holly should have been like in the right to censor. I mean, if the right to censor stuck around for another year, A, it would be funny, especially given the fact that the PTC was trounced by the WWE in that suit. She'd be right at home in there. So then she cuts this promo about purity, blah, 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 wholesomeness, and cheap shots Trish with the mic. And Trish here is uh, playing the role of underdog as Jazz is the dominant women's champion here. A very imposing figure. Someone I've seen wrestle in person. Actually, I've seen Trish wrestle in person as well. It was actually Molly Holly's in there too. It was Jazz, Trish, Molly, and Jackie in a four-way match when I went to my house show in Oshawa almost 20 freaking years ago. That was the last live wrestling thing I saw. 2003. I think it's time to break that streak. Come on, Ontario, open up. So Jazz here is a really nice sit-out powerbomb, and Trish kicks out. Jazz then eventually, after a good back-and-forth match here, Trish got a couple of hope spots here, but was selling the injuries that she sustained in the pre-match assault by Molly. Because not only did she eat a mic shot to the head, but a throw into the ring steps as well, just as Jazz was making her entrance. Jazz locks in the STF for a really long time here. Trish valiantly <clears throat> fights to reach for the ropes, but cannot. She taps out. And Jazz is still the women's champion. Jazz is interviewed after the match by Mark, I think it was Mark Lloyd, that was his name, about Molly's involvement in this pre-match assault, to which Jazz says nothing. Backstage, Paul Heyman hypes Brock Lesnar for his debut match. Full circle, Nate Take a shot. Here we are. We're at Brock Lesnar's debut. And at time of recording, he is one week away from stepping into the Elimination Chamber with the WWE title on the line. Will he win the title again? I think so. And we'll have Roman versus Brock, title versus title, at Mania. Let's go. No regret. No remorse. He says that this is Lita's fault because Brock Lesnar has been targeting Team Extreme throughout his first few weeks on the main roster and uh, Lita was kind of trying to prevent stuff from happening or trying to get involved here, trying to save Matt. Uh, Matt got the bejesus beaten out of him by, by Brock, hence why this is a one-on-one -on -one match with Jeff Hardy. And, you know, Heyman says Lita wants to play rough. Show her that you're the next big thing. And Brock comes out to the ring to not his actual music, but his very short-term early theme, which is nowhere near as iconic as his today. This is nothing more than a squash. This is pure domination, although Jeff got a couple of hope spots in here with a whisper in the wind and a swanton bomb. 
And Suplex City was very much a thing in 2002 as Brock just hoys Jeff across the ring with a couple of belly-to-belly suplexes, a triple backbreaker, there's a chair that gets involved in this match. Jeff tries to bring in a chair, but it is reversed into an F5. And then three consecutive power bombs. I see a young Wardlow beginning to take notes here and uh, do a power bomb symphony. That's life. And Brock Lesnar wins by technical knockout. Not by pinfall, not by submission, but just straight up knockout because that's how that's how Brock was being booked in his first few matches here in the Fed. He had the triple power bomb. You know, you power bomb, boom, cling on for one more, hold on, boom, two. And then the third one, he would always add a little bit of stank on it. He would do a rotation, spin around, and it would end up looking like uh, Michael Elgin's finisher. Just, boom, just driving the air out of Jeff Hardy. Great match here, great showcase here to show the world the next big thing Kurt Angle versus Edge the feud must continue this is a great back and forth match here this might be my favorite match of the card because these two just have undeniable chemistry in the ring there was a great back and forth here Edge has the uh the flying forearm at first lands a face buster and Angle does that awesome spot where Edge is on the top rope about to do a flying maneuver, but Kurt Angle props up and just climbs and superplexes Edge in one fell swoop in one fluid motion. That climbing superplex bit is just mwah, chef's kiss. And Suplex City is very much a thing, as I said in 02, because Brock must have been taking notes from people like Kurt Angle. And Chris Benoit, as they've been doing the uh, the rolling Germans at this point in time. Then Angle Slam is reversed into a German suplex by Edge. And that looked like a rough landing by Kurt Angle. An Angle Slam and a kick out. And the straps are coming off. That's how you know Edge gonna die. But he lands the ankle lock. It's rolled up for a near fall by Edge. Angle goes for the chair because he's like, no, no, okay, no, we're done here. I'm going to get this chair out. And in this hilarious spot, unintentional comedy is something that Angle is a master of. Just little nuances, just little things here. But this bit here, he goes for the chair. He comes into the ring here. The chair misses edge it hits the rope it rebounds back into his face right into an edgeomatic for a near fall there is another bit here where edge is going for a spear but kurt angle just just punts him right in the face what a reversal from the spear angle slam angle wins the continues uh y2j comes out of the ring here chris jericho 
and he cuts a really whiny, pissant, crying promo, mad that he is not booked at Backlash. You know, 30 days ago, over 30 days ago at WrestleMania X8, I was in the main event. Tonight, I'm not even booked. You, you have a good point there, Chris. You were the Undisputed Champion. Although, you're in Triple H's shit match. Had to follow the Rock and Hogan. Although, I am positive that there was like another match in between that. Like, there was a cooldown period of, was it like Jazz versus Jackie versus Trish or something for the women's title? Or was it... Uh, the the Four Corners Tag Team Titles match, like Billy and Chuck versus Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys, and APA. I could have swore that was the penultimate match, but maybe it was Rock and Hogan. But how could you follow Rock and Hogan in the Sky Dome, for heaven's sake? Because I know people who were there, and to say it was electric would be an understatement. That so that was fun, and. Uh, Chris Jericho just talks about him being the first undisputed champion. It's like, Billy Kidman has a match here. Trash Stratus has a match. Even Maven has a match tonight. Again, you're building some very good points here. Although, I'd take Trish out of that. I mean, come on. She's, it's Trish. He whines some more. And he says that my worst day is still better than your best days. Young MJF is taking notes. I'm better than you and you know it. Chris says that he is better than that has been Hulk Hogan. And then just goes away. Backstage, Flair and Arn Anderson are catching up. And there is a barge in the door and Arn's like, oh, here we go. And Taker confronts Flair here, but doesn't really say anything. He just... Intimidates him and leaves. Foreshadowing, or maybe someone's still mad, following their match at WrestleMania X8. Coming up next for the Intercontinental title, Rob Van Dam defends against a returning Eddie Guerrero. Oh, here we go. This match. I take it back. This might be my match of the night because the chemistry these two have I mean, we see a ladder match with them not long after this, and yeah, it's good. Now, Eddie hadn't been seen in the WWE since June of 2001. I covered the last time that he was he was on the show. He was kind of being written out following an attack by, I believe it was Albert. Uh, Eddie had had some demons that he had to go slay during this point in time. He he got released. He got clean. He he found Jesus. And he got back into wrestling. He had a brief stint with uh, Ring of Honor. As around this time, Ring of Honor was just starting. And when when we get there, I'm I'm going to talk a little bit about it like Spoiler alert here, Eddie wins the Intercontinental title under controversial 
circumstances, like cheat and steal Eddie, I see what you're doing here, and he appears on ROH with the Intercontinental title. Of course, with the approval of Vince, but still, I mean, when he signed back here, he had these agreements to do. I mean, he worked a match with, I believe, Amazing Red, uh, maybe even CM Punk. I mean, that would have been a... That would have been good. Anyways, here, Eddie is back in the WWE. He is looking shredded. He is huge. He is yoked. His confidence is back. His swagger is back. Uh, and he's clean. It's so good to see, but at the same time, it's so tragic that we only get this Eddie. We only get him for a couple years before he passes away. It One of the biggest what-ifs, you know, outside of Owen Hart is... Had Eddie Guerrero lived? Had Eddie Guerrero been still alive today? What what would he be doing? Man. So, there was a really nice float over suplex here by Van Dam. Goes for the five star, but Eddie gets up. Eddie is frog splash type, so he knows it's not very effective. Eddie goes for a superplex here that is reversed into a hot shot across the ropes by Rob, Rob, a super karate kick by Van Dam, the 2.0 version of Rolling Thunder, and no, not the Everrise version of Rolling Thunder, the inverted, where instead of doing a somersault into a senton, he does backflips into a moonsault. Van Dam is so damn good. There's a really nice spot here that Van Dam usually does to the outside that, uh, Twisting leg drop while the uh, opponent is hunched over the barricade. An inverted surfboard by Eddie Guerrero. The gory special. And instead of just letting go when he lets go of the hold, he just drops Van Dam throat first onto the top rope here. A nice power bomb. And there's a bit here where Eddie goes for a, the belt. He goes for the light cheating steel SA. But while the ref doesn't really notice here uh the belt was kicked out of van damme's hand but then he does a neck breaker on the belt and the frog splash to win the intercontinental title here just just a tidbit of the lie cheating and steal at eddie guerrero that we all know and love next match the undertaker Versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a number one contender match with Red Shoes Ric Flair as the special guest referee. One last time we get to hear Roland on pay-per-view because the Limp Biscuit license is about to expire. You've done it now. You've gone and made a big mistake of letting Limp Biscuit expire. But heel coming out to Roland just sounds weird, so we're in for a new Undertaker theme in the coming weeks. And this is uh, not Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is Burnt Out Steve Austin. This is Steve after taking a couple of weeks off, just before taking his ball and going home for eight months. This is Steve 
I'm running out of steam creatively and I'm frustrated and I'm tired and I'm banged up and I'm insulted that I basically jerked the curtain with Scott Hall. I mean, the Austin era is ending and it's so friggin' sad because throughout the entire Attitude Era, which I might cover someday if I'm still doing this in a couple of years, he'd been the top draw. And now eras are changing, things are evolving, and Steve Austin is kind of on the outside looking in. But this match here is slow, it's plodding, it's boring. I'm not going over the bits in this match, although the NWO interferes, and eventually there's a bit here, a choke slam, and the Undertaker boots a chair into Steve Austin's face. Ric Flair counts. One, two, leg on the rope. Ric Flair doesn't see it. No, the leg is on the rope the whole time. And Ric Flair counts to three. But on the instant replay that the coach shows Ric Flair backstage, Ric looks at it. I can see he, he looks at it. So he screwed Steve Austin. Steve Austin screwed Steve Austin. Woo! And of course, as I just said here, um, Ric Flair gets com confronted about this. He's like, I didn't see it. Shows him the replay. And Halsey says is, oh, shit. But after the match, uh, Steve Austin gets his heat back because Austin must pose, pal. And in the penultimate match here, we have Billy and Chuck defending the tag team titles against Main Event Maven and Al Snow. Penultimate main event, Maven. We're almost there. We're a year and a bit away from Maven being in the main event. And I'll put that over as long as I possibly can. And in the beginning of this match here, there is a, a bit where Al Snow puts on Chuck's headband. And, you know, because Al Snow, comedy, head, what does everybody want? Maven gets worked over for a good chunk of this match here. Al Snow gets the hot tag and runs mild. Rico gets a <sighs> extremely homophobic chant directed towards him. I'm not going to repeat this. It is something that is of its time. It's unfortunate because I would have taken part in this in 2002. I'm ashamed of it. I'm going to apologize and move on. I don't speak like that anymore, obviously. It's insulting, homophobic, and it's never okay. It never was. So, another bit here. Al Snow gets worked over and Maven gets to be the hot tagger here. He eats a fame-asser. Rico accidentally wheel-kicks Chuck while going for Maven, whom he was holding. Maven goes for a crossbody. It is not enough, but in amongst this schmoz and a referee distraction who is dealing with Rico, the jungle kick by Chuck Palumbo, and still tag team champions. You look so good to me. Yeah, that theme was underrated. I'm going to say it here. And Billy and Chuck as a tag team here, as a unit, they're good. They're very good. 
unfortunate connotations and potential gimmick aside, they're a damn good tag team, and they've actually been entertaining to watch with 2022 eyes. Knowing where this tag team eventually goes, sky's the limit. I mean, let's go here. And now it is time for the main event. Triple H defending the undisputed WWE Championship against Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Of course, following Hogan's explosive nostalgia pop at WrestleMania X8, told you before, and I'm telling you again, in Toronto, nostalgia runs wild. This is another slow and plodding match. I literally fast forward until until the last few minutes of it because it was all hope spot momentum, hope spot momentum, Hulk up, Triple H up, whatever. And in a bit here, Triple H goes for the figure four, but Hulk's seen this movie before. He's faced Ric Flair before and beaten him every single time. I don't think Ric Flair has ever defeated Hulk Hogan or pinned him or fairly. But we have a bit here, a sleeper. And Hulk hulks up and then gets a back suplex and stops hulking up. Hulk hulks up again. Boot, leg drop. Chris Jericho takes out the ref. Y2J lands a chair shot on Hulk Hogan. Goes for the face buster. Jericho does and he is out. Hulk hulks up again. Leg drops Triple H again. Pedigree and Triple Taker comes in to hit the referee. Chair shots to Triple H. Hulk kicks out Taker. And then since Triple H is down, shrug, leg drop, and new WWE champion Hulk Hogan. What a pay-per-view. Or PLE. This was fun. I'm going to say straight up that this was a very, very fun pay-per-view. It had its peaks. It had its troughs. And this match as the main event. I mean, Hulk Hogan in the main event, in the title picture, like 10 years after being in a match with Sid at WrestleMania, he's wrestling for the title here again. Now, I understand Hulk Hogan was very popular around this time, especially with his little Hollywood Hulk Hogan tour. His, I don't want to say his redemption tour, but leading up to this, he had all the promos saying that, you know, I'm going to prove that Hulk Hogan can still run wild. Spoiler alert, it did. He had a run with the title here. But it was so weird and kind of unnecessary to cut Triple H from the quads here, pun intended, in order to get a nostalgia pop. Now, the next pay-per-view is going to be where Hogan loses this title, taking the worst bump known to man. But still, for the moment that it created, for the moment that the Skydome created at WrestleMania X8, I think it was a good time to strike while the iron was hot here with Hulk as champion. It shouldn't have lasted too long. I don't think it was supposed to. But you have your moment in the sun. 
You got Hulk Hogan just proving that he's Hulk Hogan again. But to come at the expense of Triple H after his his redemption, after his quad injury, and coming up through these insurmountable odds. Because uh, uh, Torn Quad ain't nothing to shake a stick at. And Triple H has done it twice. Three times? Twice? I forget. But... Him, the, the title run to come at Triple H's expense, I think, kind of sucked. But it was a cool moment to have Hollywood here have have one more little moment, have one more little run, just to give us older fans a little bit of nostalgia. It's like I know people who were at WrestleMania six in the Sky Dome in nineteen ninety. I would have been six years old. Actually, no, it was before my sixth birthday, so I was technically five when Warrior and Hogan faced off, and I would not have been seen anywhere near that arena. Great moment, decent pay-per-view, and this is where we end off this week, folks. Next week, we'll be back to SmackDown. I'm going to try and get the pay-per-views out in sequence of each show, but hey, no promises. Depends on my schedule. So thank you very much for listening, folks. I've been Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Listen to Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast, every week. Every Saturday, we got Mr. YLP himself with the Young Lions perspective, giving us our news of the week. We got the Kings of the Rings podcast. Streaming live on YouTube and Twitch every Wednesday night. Pre-show starts at about 7.30, 7.45. Main show starts at 8. And you hang around for the post-show where they, the hosts pretty much talk about what they're going to order on Uber Eats. And then answer a few questions that usually I ask to get the conversation going. Thanks again, folks. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time.